Hey, in the immortal words of Judy Brown, happiness is a choice. And we're happy you're spending some time with us, Chip and Zay, right here on Texas Sports Unfiltered. My man, Zay, the right call, Collier. It's been a minute, man. Happy Thanksgiving. How was it? Lovely, man. Lovely. Got you had your Thanksgiving pants on? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, actually, I wore jeans. Wifey made your boy wear jeans. So I had to put on the loosest jeans I could find. <laughs> and, hey, we rocked with those. So, yeah, it was nice and good to see family as always. How about you? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I uh, made a lot of bad decisions about when to stop eating. There you go. And uh, trying to trying to turn that around a little bit now. Um, got another big tennis match tomorrow night. Now I'm in the mixed doubles club championship. Sure. That's what we're here. So we gotta we gotta handle business. But on to bigger and better things. Zay, Texas is gonna play. For a chance to win its fourth Big 12 championship in the last 28 years. Three in the last 27. That's mm. not much. It's not enough. But hey, no time like the present to turn things around. 57 to 7 over Texas Tech. And wow, that was a cleansing. That was like. This is what we've been waiting for, for a just punishment administered from start to finish. Offense, defense, special teams, blocked punt, 95-yard kick return. I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah. We've been waiting for that all year, Chip. We've been waiting for that game, man. You know, this squad, proud of this squad. This team's really special. You know, obviously, Oklahoma game, that's definitely going to haunt you. And, yes, we're going to talk about the red zone with this team when the season's over with and the flaws that they have there. But when you win 11 games, you're a solid ball club. I don't care how good the Big 12 is. And this is this team's goal, to put themselves in the situation to win a Big 12 title. They've done that. And it seems like everybody has the right mentality going into Arlington. You know, just we've talked about about this leadership all year long from guys like Trevondre Sweat and Byron Murphy and Jalen Ford and John, John A. Barron and Jaron Thompson. And you look on that other side and Jonathan Brooks, who I knew wish he could be out there right now, but Xavier Worthy, Adonai, Quinn, and all the things that he's done. Like Sark mentioned in this press conference after Quinn threw that horrific pass trying to throw the fade to A.D. Mitchell that got picked off. You know, he just kind of slapped his hands and it was like, on to the next play 2020 2022 Quinn Ewers probably would have been a little phased from that and I don't know if that guy would have been able to come back so the fact that Quinn Ewers could get back out there and just erase those type of bad plays from his mind and continue to play some decent football it just kind of shows the growth not only in him but this ball club and this coaching staff has done a hell of a job developing these guys in Sark's third year and you've seen it paid you know pay dividends so yeah proud of this team proud of what they could do but hey one more 
one more until you can relax a little bit and see what college football does in itself to play itself out. But yeah, man, I'm very excited about the opportunity come Saturday because even though this Oklahoma State team is very feisty with what you've seen so far this year, hey, it's going to be a challenge, but you've seen better teams than this Cowboys squad. And I think this Texas ball club is going to be ready. Well, I, that energy that they had against Texas Tech was amazing. Like the defense was aggressive, stayed aggressive. Um, that's that's what we've been waiting for. Um, you know, Texas Tech and Oklahoma State are pretty similar. Um, you know, with Ali Gordon and Taj Brooks as the the focal points of their offense and um, you know, decent passing game, but, um, you know, Alan Bowman, sixth year quarterback, um, he's had his ups and downs. There's, there's no doubt about it, but from a matchup standpoint, I like the way Texas matches up with Oklahoma state. We'll talk to, um, McLean Baxley who covers Oklahoma state, uh, for the, uh, OSU, 24-7 site. We'll talk to him at 4 o'clock, get a early look at the Cowboys who completely turned around their season after starting 2-2, two and two, including a 33-7 loss at home to South Alabama. Um, and, and then went on that, you know, five-game winning streak where they beat K-State, Kansas, uh, OU, Cincinnati, um, had the good run. And, and then got smoked by Central Florida in their spacesuit game or whatever that was down there in the bounce house. And, and then, of course, Oklahoma State <laughs> survived BYU, Zay. I mean, they were down 24 to 6. And you're thinking, okay, it's going to be Boomer Sooner rematch. Texas gets to avenge its only defeat, but Oklahoma State scrapped, clawed, got that thing into double overtime and won it. And so, um, you know, Oklahoma State, one of the old original uh, members of the Big 12 uh, who Texas did not play this year and is part of the revenge tour. They did beat Texas last year. Yep. Texas three three and zero oh on that revenge tour so far against Alabama, TCU, and Texas Tech. Now can make it four and zero oh against the Cowboys at eleven a.m. on Saturday. But Zay, I mean, the offense, uh, Jaden Blue, you know, hundred yards rushing, liked what he showed us against Texas Tech. To me, he sent a message that hey, I'm good. I'm good for ten, at least ten carries. Uh, I'll take care of the 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 dirty work don't you worry um i was impressed with Jaden blue obviously yeah i mean the dude showed some toughness and he has a chip on his shoulder you know as good as jonathan brooks was before he tore his acl you know you got a freshman playing over you i don't care how good cj baxter is coming from florida that should grind your gears a little bit especially if you're a competitor and you've been in this steve sarkeesian to choice system for a couple of years but hey all you could do is thrive when the opportunity is given and Jaden blue's done that you know that was a big time run that he had 
and you mentioned over a hundred yards. Like this running game, like salute to Shard Choice and what he's done in the running back room, like along with Sark and the rest of the crew. Because CJ Baxter, even though he's most likely good to go in Jerry World, if he wasn't Chip, I'd be confident in that. Like you talk about losing Jonathan Brooks and then maybe losing CJ. Okay, well, number 23 showed me he's got a little giddy up. Savion Red showed me a little bit. Keelan Robinson's confidence should be up with a two touchdown performance that he had against Texas Tech. And now they're throwing the DeSoto native Trey Wisner in the mix. And he was uh he got that touchdown on that long drive orchestrated by Arch Manning to end the game. So uh, hey, it might be crazy, but I'm confident in the running back room, no matter who's out there, because with what we know with the passing game, a lot of these defensive coordinators are afraid of what Adonai Mitchell could bring to the table, are afraid what JT Sanders, Xavier Wordy, Jordan Winnington, all those guys can bring to the table, especially when Quinn Ewers is clicking with all those dudes. So the running game, as good as it is, you've got to pick your poison somewhere. You know, like you got to focus on something. And if this three high safety defense that Oklahoma State's going to throw at you, hey, what does that mean? Run the football. They're going to allow you to run the football. Go back and watch that UCF game and see if old boy in those baby blue jerseys wasn't running all over them to put up 45-3 on the Cowboys' ass. Like, it's possible. It's possible. And you mentioned the last two games that they won against U of H and the one they uh, barely beat, beat BYU in. Yo, it's very hard coming back from those very emotional games. Like you're losing by double digits to U of H and BYU. And the last game that they had an emotional win in, it resulted in that game I just mentioned against UCF 45-3 when they were in the Bedlam game beating Oklahoma. So – Hey, Oklahoma State, I know you're confident. Mike Gundy, he's always confident when he plays against Texas. If you go hear his press conference right now, the dude's talking a little spicy. He doesn't say anything too crazy, nothing like Jared Hufford light, but he's talking about, hey, what do you do with Byron Murphy and Trevondre Sweat? Well, we could double them at times, but we're just going to do what we've done the last 15 years and block them. Okay, that's a shot at your culture, Sark. That's a straight shot because, yeah, the Charlie Strong era, Tom Herman era, he's talking about that. The end of the Mac Brown era, that's what Mike Gundy's talking about. And Oklahoma State has a lot of wins against those three coaches. So, Sark, they beat you last year. You just mentioned the revenge tour, Chip. I love it. I love it. I want that mindset, Mike Gundy, because this defense is different than what you've seen these last few years. And it starts with that front line that has more bulletin board material. Throw that ass. I'll take it. Yeah, yeah, that uh oh I I can't wait to go listen to that. I just got out of the Texas player interviews. I haven't heard what Gundy was saying. Oh yeah, he we going to do what we done all 50 all these last 15 years. Just block them. Like it's that easy. Like they can just go one on one with T Sweat and Byron Murphy. All right. Go ahead then. Go ahead then. Yeah. Jalen yeah, Ford, Gundy. Anthony Hill, they playing on top of their game too. So, hey, Talk that talk, Michael. Gundy's had a lot of success against Texas, especially in the state of Texas. But this is a different football team for sure. I mean, Oklahoma State, it's crazy to think that they have the longest winning streak in Austin of any team Texas has ever played five times. Damn. And 
that that's crazy. And after initially, you know, Gundy took over in what, oh, oh, four, oh, five from Les Miles. And then um, his teams gave up huge leads to Texas. Well, Les Miles gave up the big lead in oh, four. They were up, you know, crazy. They were up like 20, 21, 28 points, 35 to seven. I think Texas came all the way back. Vince Young, they beat him, you know, 40, 42 to 28 or something crazy. And then they had a big lead in 05. Um, Texas came back and won. They had a lead in 06, 21 points in the fourth quarter. Colt McCoy and Jamal Charles and, um, Oh, the kicker, Ryan. Uh, oh, God. Who was the kicker for Texas who kicked that 40-yarder to win at Oak State in 07? Ra- Bailey, Ryan Bailey. Mm. And then Gundy got it going. But this is a different team. This is a different team. And um, I'm, I'm interested to see if Texas tapped into some energy uh, and I'm telling you, it's because the the defense continued to play aggressive and they didn't ever go into, you know, zone and keep it in front of you. They were attacking nonstop. And that's what that's what Texas absolutely has to do. Look what happened in the Baylor or the Bama Auburn games. Eh? They rushed two with a spy on fourth and goal from the 31. I'd have sent a zero blitz at Jalen Miro and said, if you can get this pass off before we get to you, good luck. Our safeties will track it down. Instead, they let him have five seconds in the pocket before he found Isaiah Bond. And thank God, Texas fans, I mean, Texas's path, to the college football playoff is sketchy. They need some minor miracles to happen, but they needed Alabama to win that game. That's for sure. Yeah. They, that was they really crazy. Did. They really Even did. Defense uh, prevents you from winning. Yeah. Hugh Freeze is going to be kicking himself in the butt for that one for years to come. Cause that's one of the worst iron bowl losses that you could possibly have, especially against that coach on the other side. Like, I mean, for Texas's sake, thank goodness they mucked that all up. But for Auburn's sake, that's going to be hurting for a very long time. But, yeah, you talk about the complimentary defense that we're finally starting to see because a lot of the time this season it was just this defensive line. We knew what this defensive line was going to bring, especially when it came to stopping the run. And we knew that these offensive coordinators, they would like for their quarterbacks to get the ball out of their hands fast so it could just – you know, kind of neglect the whole defensive line putting pressure on you, but we haven't seen the consistency from the secondary. And we're finally starting to see that these last few weeks against Iowa State, they were on point. And then against Texas Tech, like guys that are very young that have had their ups and downs this season, but have been overall solid. Terrence Books and Malik Muhammad, both of those guys, big time interceptions to, you know, swing the momentum around. Like that's huge. That's huge. Cause again, 
I've talked about just Pete Kwiatkowski not fully trusting that secondary, not fully trusting some of those young guys. Like one of the hits that Derek Williams made in this game against Texas Tech, man, that made me jump out of my seat. I said, oh, shit. I was like, yo, that dude, he came on the missile on that one. Like, And that's what you saw. Like this team, they're starting to get a certain cockiness and arrogance that you love a defense to have. You know, you always want to be humble, and that's why you need guys like Mookie Tav and Jalen Ford out there to keep you humble, which, you know, I love what Michael Tav said today in this press conference, but Anthony Hill getting in sportsmanlike conduct. No, I don't like it overall, but I do like the toughness and arrogance that you have to play with to be a big-time linebacker, especially at his age. That dude, yeah, they, they hit old uh, Taj Brooks out of bounds, and he said some Taj Brooks early in the game, like, yo, son of a B, this is going to be a long white night for you. It might have been worth that. To be honest, it might have been worth the flag because it kind of set the tone on how Texas was going to come at the Red Raiders for the rest of the game. Like, yo, Brett, your mark's talking crazy. You got a coach that says everything runs through Lubbock. We're playing against the best running back that's not on our team in the conference. Okay, we're going to show y'all why we're one of the best defenses in the nation. And they do that. Like Gavin Holmes, he had a deflection out of bounds, and he was barking at the wide receiver. Just come crazy stuff, like stuff that you haven't seen on the 40 acres in a long time. So they know they're good, and it's finally coming together at the right time heading into the Big 12 championship game. And I'm right there with you, Chip. This team matches up with Oklahoma State. Great. Like, Alan Bowman's thrown pick sixes in the last two games. He's going to give you opportunities for sure, especially with this defensive line closing in on his ass. He's going to throw it up. So these guys just got to be ready to make plays on it. And Ali Gordon, hey, hell of a year, my guy. Doke Walker Award. I'm sure you're going to get it. Well-deserved. But, man, you've never played a defense like this yet. And if UCF could hold you under 25 yards on 12 carries, then what can this – and a fumble, by the way, then what is this Texas team going to do to you? You know, I know you got to worry about some of their wide receivers on the other side. Presley's nice and all. But, yeah, overall, this team, this Longhorn squad matches up great. And they're coming in with a lot of swag and a lot of confidence at the right time. And that's what you want in a championship ball club. Yeah. And special teams, you know, what a dominating performance because you talk about Mookie Taft. And he explained today exactly what he was looking for on that block punt that he knew which player gave the signal to the punter about which direction he should go to try to let go of the punt. Michael Taft saw that he was going to go um, to the punter's right. So he went to the left side of the line, ran in, got the block. Like they're so well coached. Um, Jeff Banks, the special teams coordinator, and he's got a guy in Taft who will do whatever, you know, whatever it takes. And and Keelan Robinson, you know, with the 95-yard kick return a week after, you know, Xavier Worthy's 86-yard punt return was called back because of a penalty. Um, the special teams is picking it up, and and that's here, Jen Bird Auburn. I mean, my God, 19 straight field goals. The guy should be, you know, talked about in the Lou Groza award 
I mean, the fact that he's made 19 in a row, he just hit a 54 yarder. He now holds the school records at Texas for and Big 12 for most consecutive made field goals and most field goals in a season at Texas, which has been kicker you with Phil Dawson and Justin Tucker for, for God's sake and Cameron Dicker. Um, it, that's huge. Look, you got to have everything buttoned up at this time of year. We talked about it. If you're going to get hot, now's the time. Get hot. Be the hot team going into the postseason. Yeah, there were close calls against Houston and K-State and TCU. Lessons learned. Stay aggressive on defense. We saw that against Texas Tech. Didn't let them up for air. That's what it's going to take. It's what's going to take Saturday to put the year up in the stadium. And that stuff matters to this group of, of players, to Quinn Ewers, to Tavondre Sweat, to Jalen Ford and Jade Barron and all these guys. Quinn, you know, I mean, these guys, Tavondre Sweat, Jordan Whittington, they came back to win a championship. And, and if they keep their focus just right, they're going to get it. Yeah. You're right. And Roland, you're right, bro. You know, uh, I don't know about the chicken game, but yo, man, I there was one point of the season where I was a little skeptical. You know, it smelled like San Antonio. That's what it smelled like. I'm tired of going to San Antonio. Love the city. The Mexican food is off the chain. Ain't nothing like a beautiful, you know, San Antonio Latina that could put it on you. That's nice, too. But I ain't trying to go back to watch no football game, bro. Alamo Dome ain't where it's at. Alamo Dome with David I know Rodgers. every inch of the Alamo Dome. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, man. Like, eh, Alamo Dome with David Robinson, cool. Those were the good old days. Alamo Dome with the Texas Longhorns, very tired, and that's just not a place I want to be. So, yeah, this team has had its flaws, but, hey, they got a winning mentality. You just named a lot of guys that just helped change this culture. And see Sarkeesian, he talked about it before the season started, like, man, it's finally starting to feel like my team. They're talking like me. They acting like me. They walking like me. The swagger is there. Like, this is what he envisioned when he got the job at the University of Texas. And five and seven was hard. Last year, eight and five. That's hard, too. A lot of teams love eight and five. A lot of coaches will get bonuses for eight and five. Depending on the school here at Texas, you get fired for that if it continues. So that just... You were kind of skeptical on, okay, is it the trajectory? Is it still going on the upward scale? And you finally are seeing that. You're finally seeing the results. And, yeah, I couldn't be more proud of this squad. You mentioned Burt Auburn. That game versus Kansas, I want to say he had two shanks. I was talking about him being a liability straight up, especially oh, going were, into the you next were week. roasting my man. Had to. Had to. Because the man was missing, what, he went, like four for seven? He heard, you. he heard me. I appreciate that with said, that bright ass me, Christmas me, suit he had on. Let me, <laughs> I don't want my man Doomsday to get his blood pressure up too high. Let me help him out. I'm gonna go make 19 in a row. That's what I'm talking about. I need that. I need that comfort, man. It should have been the Looking game winner against Oklahoma. It should have been the game winner against Oklahoma, but they screwed them over. That defense, you know, Pete Kwiatkowski, they screwed them over, but we know what happened there. 
Burt Auburn with that ugly ass, you know, jolly suit that he had on. Like, look, it ain't even December what? yet, Burt. It ain't even on his Christmas too. It ain't. It ain't even December yet. It don't even make sense. It was a day after Thanksgiving, and he got on that bright That's ass when Christmas everything suit. Turns to Christmas. I guess, man. It was. Uh, yeah. I look nineteen in a row. He can wear whatever he wants. How about that? I'm just saying. Fashion day. Fashion day. Thought hey. it was a little tacky, but you know. By the way, Steve Sarkeesian said he saw that suit at the pregame meal and knew. Oh, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay. My man, Bert, is feeling good. Bert's rocking it. You may not have liked it, but he was rocking it. Like, he, he wore it, it right. He, he walked it he, right. That Longhorn walk. He is rocking the candy canes and the Santa Claus and the mm. whatever else is on there. Christmas presents. Probably some fruitcake. I don't know. But that suit was rocking. And Yo. Bert. Walked out there and kicked five field goals. The last hey. hell he would have had six, but my man Cole Hudson jumped false start. So instead of a 50 yarder, now it's a 55 yarder. And they said, no, we'll we'll punt the damn thing. But he hit the 54 yarder. Come on, man. That's true. That was money. That's what I'm saying, man. Bert, Bert's been clutch. Like five for five, he can wear anything he want. I apologize, Bert. Yes, he it was tacky, but you were allowed to wear it. You got swagger. I feel you. The perm was on point and everything. Go do your thing. Go go do yeah. your thing, bro. Do your thing. Yeah. Bro. Okay. So let me ask you about uh let me ask you about Quinn Ewers before we get to Arch Manning. Oh my gosh. Okay. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So Quinn, solid, did what he had to do. It was a lot of uh, running of the football by the end of this game, 302 yards rushing. Quinn had a touchdown and and an interception in this game, I believe. And then Arch Manning rolls in. And... Even Steve Sarkeesian said, I've never heard a roar like that for a backup quarterback. That dude, that dude was two of five passing for 30 yards. You'd have thought he just threw for 300 yards and five touchdowns. Now, I will admit, a couple of those passes were, you know, pretty tight, had some nice zip on it. But, Zay, they were going bananas for Arch Manning. They, they like failed on fourth down in the red zone, and Yo. the fans were going nuts. So, Yo, hey, shout out to Sark for being petty and going for it on fourth down. 
when you're up 50 to seven. That's a petty move, man. That's for Brett Yormark right there. It's Sark deflected it after the game where he was asked about Brett Yormark's little comments were put up on the Jumbotron. Sark did a good job. He was professional. But you can't tell me if Brett Yormark didn't say what he said and the Horns didn't need style points too. Like going for it on fourth down, that's wild. I didn't see that coming. And hey, bravo to Sark. I like Petty Sark. I could appreciate that. But yeah, yeah I um, figured my man Zay, who loves oh, Petty, I love it. Not only <laughs> would love going for it on fourth down, but would love them playing the Brett Yormark karma on the video board. That's like so I heard good. that. I'm heard. I've heard that. Like Sark wasn't. He was surprised that they yeah. played that. Yeah. I mean, you ain't telling Sark. Come on now. You worry about the game. We worry about behind the scenes and stuff. CDC. Yeah, CDC. But next time I see him, I'm dapping up like, yo, you a cold blood killer, Chris. You cold. That's some cold stuff right there. Like, And then how about the Toy Story? I didn't see that. What you talking okay, about? Okay, so they, they did a Toy Story the end of the movie where the little toys going off into the distance, they put Texas tech on that and it's just rolling off going away. And Texas is sitting there like, bye. <laughs> I was like, Oh, this is, this is good. This is yeah. good. Yeah. I mean, I mean all year they've been talking about John wick mentality, embrace the hate. We can't be taking punches. We got to be throwing punches. Yeah. And I don't know why Sark apologized for that. You know, he, he apologized and the presser said, yeah, if somebody took my comments and graced the hay as, you know, offensive, I apologize. No, Sark, damn that. Who they we were selling T-shirts. Yeah. We ain't apologizing for nothing. And then they nothing. pulled them. Yeah, we ain't apologizing for nothing. Jared Hufford's comments, everybody feels that way that's not a Texas fan and that's not a part of Texas. Jared Hufford was just dumb enough to say it. Everybody feels that way. There's no need to apologize for y'all. Wish y'all were us. That's what mentality you have to have. And again, Sark's professional. I can appreciate that about him because we've had some coaches uh, around the 40 acres that haven't been pretty professional coaches that would flick off cameras and do, you know, this and that and the third, but yeah, man, there ain't no need to apologize for the embrace the hate mentality. Hey, you got the Texas, I love that John Wick shit. What about the Texas football social media? <laughs> They had all those dudes gathered around when Joey was like, everything runs through Lubbock. And then they all just started laughing. <laughs> Apparently, Chris Bennett says they had a tortilla with an L cut out of it. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen. And by the way, Mike Gundy, apparently a dog barked in the middle of his press conference. And he said, oh, that must be Sarkeesian around here. Okay. Yeah. Hey. Dave. <laughs> okay. I right. I gotta go hear that. I ain't hear that. <laughs> so I ain't hear that, but yeah, we definitely got some dogs. Keep talking, Mike. We'll, I'm we'll saying, ask Mike the... thinks it's sweet. Mike thinks this team, this 2023 squad, is like the teams that he's faced in the past, where he could just go into his cowboys locker room and say, Yo, those guys think they're better than you. Those guys, blah, blah, blah. They're gonna give up. You know, they're soft. They're weak-minded. This team's not like that. They're just not. 
like I mentioned earlier, when you see Anthony Hill getting the unsportsmanlike conduct, yes, it's dumb as hell. Dumb as I don't know what, because you don't want anybody, you know, giving you, you don't want to give any team extra yards for no reason. But the fact that he talked, the fact that he was talking that shit, the fact that Gavin Holmes, Malik Muhammad, all those guys, like Jalen Ford, the way that dude hit Baron Morton on one of those third down plays, Baron Morton jumped in the air and Jalen Ford basically power bombed him on the ground. And Barry Morton was like, yo, I don't know if I want any more of this. Coach McGuire, please don't put me back out there. Like, it was that type of game against Texas Tech on Friday. That game was very personal. Those boys were hitting. So, yeah, man, you need that. Like I was telling Kevin Dunn after the post game, sometimes you need some players that are, like, one trip away from going to the pen. Sometimes you need that. You can monitor that. That's what coaching's for. The best coaches deal with that. The best coaches find a way to relate to that to where you can keep them out of trouble, you know, as much as you can. I'm not saying you go 08 Florida Gators, but, hey, it was a reason why there's a documentary on them fools. They won. They were a little crazy, but they won. So you need a couple of those guys, and you want to monitor that as much as possible. But this team does have dogs. This team does have warriors. This team does have a lot of pride. And that's why they've won 11 games this year, and they got a chance to win a Big 12 championship. And it's fun to watch. Friday was fun, man. It was fun. It was fun watching watching those guys go loose and go crazy on that team in Lubbock. Like, that was a really fun game. And that team on senior night deserves all the flowers that they could get. But I know that team, they know that this ain't over. Job ain't finished. Kobe Bryant, job finished? I don't think so. (laughs) Right. No doubt. I mean, and the the funny thing is, is that you've got you've got a a team that's been saying that they've been playing a Big 12 championship game every week. And Sark said coming in today was like business as usual, baby. Calm. No one's freaking out like, you know, breathing short of breath like. We're going to a conversation, you know, they, they expected to be in this position. And now I want to see them go with that same energy that they brought on senior night at DKR. Cause sometimes those senior nights can, you can be a little bit slow starting. Cause yeah. yeah. You know, the seniors just got done hugging their families and Ryan Jerry Jones is on the field. Cause yeah. Paxton Anderson's a walk on receiver. And it was bonkers and and so you're like "Uh uh-oh what kind of energy and that's what sark was talking about he was like are we gonna be tight and then he saw bert auburn's suit and he's like oh (laughs) we're gonna be fine look at bert's suit everybody look at bert he's santa claus over here yeah, I, I, I call him Silver Carrot Top for a reason. The dude has a carrot top feel about him. Just fun, happy-go-lucky. And yeah, we saw it with that loud-ass suit he had on before the game. Yeah, but I mean, look at look at Tavondre Sweat. Like at one point, he literally threw Jalen Ford off of a tackle and made the tackle himself. <laughs> and they gave Jalen Ford half the tackle for loss. Jalen Ford was like, dude, what's going on? Anthony Hill was even like, and Tavondre was like, oh, sorry. 
<laughs> you know, on that play, you see Jalen Ford get up and he goes like this. Like, what the hell? Like, what can I do? What do you? What I do to, to piss do? you off, big fella? Yeah, like, big fella's man. like, oh no, I. He's just throwing guys out of the way. Yeah, till he gets to the ball carrier. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like Javondre Sweat, the way he gets double teams and all the attention he gets, he allows Jalen Ford and Anthony Hill to come up and make all those tackles. So the ones that he's able to get, if he could steal some, yeah, he's going to steal some. And he's going to say, yo, Jay Ford, a lot of your tackles this season was because they were worried about me. So let me have this one. And, yeah, you're going to eat later because we all eat around here. And, yeah, yeah I love it, man. I love yeah. it. Yeah. How about how about Sark today saying I think one of them, Devondre Sweat, should be Big 12 defensive player of the year. The other one should be Big 12 defensive lineman of the year, Byron Murphy. Um and I'll tell you what, man, that's where this is gonna get interesting. The voting for these awards. Like Jalen Ford should have won it last year. That poor bastard was the preseason Big 12 <laughs> Defensive Player of the Year this year. He ain't going to win it this year either because big old T-Sweat totally deserves it. Like, But yeah. but are these voters going to pay attention right. and say, oh, yeah, man, Tavondre Sweat. It was like the year that Baylor won the Big 12 championship in 21. Siaka Ika should have been the – I'm well, Jalen Petrie was – yeah, okay. But Siaka Ika allowed Jalen Petrie to run wild and make all the plays because you had to double Siaka Ika every play in 21. I'm just saying, Devondre Sweat is your Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year, whether he wins it or not. Yeah, if he doesn't win it, then there's some serious corruption going on in the Big 12. And... Felix Anaduke Azama went in it last year. I mean, I guess it was more of just like they we know he was a first round pick. So it was kind of like a reputation award. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, that's what, like, we're supposed to give it to him because look at his status moving on. And Jalen Ford, you know, if he would have left, he probably would have been a second day player. So I don't know. That was weird. But every coach, in the Big 12 knows when you're prepping for Texas and prepping for that defense, it starts with Travadre Sweat. <laughs> like, and then you go from there. That's just what it is. The dude started to get deflections. And you think about his uh, blocked PAT attempt last week against Iowa State where Austin Jordan took it to the house. Like, he's more than just a pass rusher and a run stopper. Like, the dude is just a problem all around when he's on the field and his stats might not say big 12 defensive player of the year, but his presence and impact do. And that should mean something. If they give it to Billy Bowman, I mean, look, I get it. He's having a Duran bland type of year, but where's OU? Uh huh. At home watching. Yeah. They beat up on TCU for nothing, for nothing. So, and Brent Venables, he probably icing his D right now for busting ass when they were running out in the smoke. Did you see that? Did oh, yeah. Did you see him trip and fall? Yo. They all tripped and fell over each other. 
It, they were stomping. They were trampling each other. Oh, I got to find oh this. Hold God. on. Let's see if I can find it. Oh, my God. Let me give you some bootleg. Oh, that's that's funny as hell. That's funny as hell. Like, that was that was almost as good as when the Boomer Sooner carriage, whatever the hell they have with the horses, when that tipped over. Like, yeah. See, Chip's showing it right now. We're going bootleg with the phone. But, yeah, they're running through the smoke. Everybody's tripping. It looks like some Little giant shit. You remember Little Giants, Icebox, the girl, she was the linebacker, one of the most underrated kids' films of all time? Yeah, like, then they just stopped coming. Now they're having to crawl over each other because they're all trampled. That's so weak. That's a lot of smoke. <laughs> so, that's some little giant stuff right there, man. I mean, that is so weak. And you don't you win, me? and you don't make the Big 12 championship, and your two rivals do. Yo, Oklahoma, y'all down bad. Y'all down bad, man, because it's a lose-lose no matter what. You can't root for nobody in this game. You can't root for nobody. Y'all ain't even watching it. All that shit they were talking after they beat the horns. And I should have known because Danny they're a Smith T-shirt salesman. I should have known. And you know they're going to flip it and say, oh, us beating Texas, at least we screwed them getting out of the college football playoff. Because we know Texas is kind of far out for them to get in. But they're going to hold on to that. They're like, man, well, at least Texas ain't playing for a national championship because we got them, which sucks. But, hey, and it is true. It is. It's true. But, hey, it is what First it is. First and goal from the one. But never. But anyway. Pass it out, Jay Brooks. Get Byron and T-Sweat out. Get them out. Bounce it out, Jay Brooks. Hit that thing. Bounce it out, goes out. Oh, man. Xavier Wordy, so close. Oh, man. Damn. But, hey, yeah, that, that's why I need stuff like that. Like, Brent. You just muted yourself. No, I'm going crazy. I know he got sweat. Uh, uh, he he uh, bleeding and stuff. Bad bruises, all types of stuff, man. Ice that down today. You got time. You ain't got to prep for nobody. You're just waiting for your bowl game. So, like, hey, you got hey, they're going to the Alamo Bowl. Oh, that's right. They're going down to San Antonio. They get to Good play. Antonio. Well, normally they play the second-place team from the Pac-12. Ooh, so uh, that's a Oregon or, or Washington. Ooh, ooh, Oklahoma. Mm, that don't sound too good, bruh. That don't sound too good at all. So, oh man, hey yo, yeah. man! Shout out to my dude Jet Nick Bosa Bush. You see that spin move for the sack? Come on, man! Come on, man! Talk about development with this team. That got me so hyped, Chip. That got me so hyped. There are a lot of plays that got me hyped. And Jet Bush, yeah, he had that pick six, but the spin move on the sack, like the pick six was kind of lucky. Like Baron Moore threw it off of Brooks's foot and it popped up to him. Like he was in the right place. Hey, he still had to, he had to kind of tip that ball to himself. Oh, yo, Baron Moore, we fighting on the sideline. You won't make that tackle and we getting our ass whooped against a rival. Like it's supposed to be a rival, right? You know, he just walked right past Jet Bush. Brooks had to go hustle for that tackle. You know what I'm saying? At least he got some pride. Barrymore, it's the last game of the season. Where are you? Are you going to protect yourself from the bowl game? 
You know what I'm saying? At this point, you make the tackle, bro. Like, you ain't on my team. If that was Quinn Ewers, we'd be talking about Quinn Ewers for about 30 minutes right now if he didn't go for that tackle on Jet Bush and you're getting your ass beat by 30-something. Throw your shoulder. Throw your non-throwing shoulder in there. So weak. That was weak. I mean, I'll take it, but that was weak. Like, if yeah, if I'm Drew McGuire, he's pulled right then. Like, all right, you're done. You clearly don't want to be here. So, yeah, let's let's just take you out this game. But, yeah, man, Jet uh, Joey Bosa Bush with the spin move for the sack. My God, man, development. This team, Christian Jones, where he's came. Again, Jet Bush and what he's done all these years, man. And now look at him, where they put him on the defense. Like, that's a different player. That's a completely different player than what we saw those early years, man. Ali Pop. Ali Pop for Jet Bush. Ali Pop for Jet Bush. Give it to him. Ali Pop. Ali Pop for Texas Special Teams. Michael Taft. Keelan Robinson, two touchdowns in this game. Yep. What a great sign on the first touchdown. Yeah. they had that. They had Keelan, um, CJ in the backfield. CJ in the backfield. Right. in motion, and then he comes back. Yeah, hmm. yeah, and it just cleared everything out. Yeah, for Keelan, he takes that little swing pass behind the line. They gave him a ten-yard rushing touchdown. Yeah. But yeah, he. Only thing that I didn't like from Sark on Friday, Chip Xavier Worthy, get him out the game. That touchdown should have never happened. I'm glad he got that, and I'm glad he has enough juice to get that. Like, it shows Xavier Worthy's toughness. Like, you can't say the dude ain't tough. You can't say the dude doesn't have heart. Like, for him to be third in touchdowns after Roy Williams and Jordan Shipley, the dude's had a hell of a University of Texas career, and he's shown some toughness, and he takes pride in wearing the burnt orange. But kind of like JT Sanders in the Oklahoma game, like when there's guys out there that are hurt and you need them for the rest of the season, specifically the week following for Oklahoma State, get him out the game. Let Jonte get some rep. Like Jonte had a nice catch during the Arch Manning drive. Like let him get that rep out there. Like Xavier, you're proven. We need you for for all the marbles the next week. Like we don't need you returning any punts. I like that you know celebration that him and Adonai Mitchell did, where they did the it was the uh, bad boys, Martin Lawrence and um, Will Smith, where their backs towards each other and they're shooting this stuff. Thank goodness they ain't getting no flag because these refs didn't know what they were doing. But <laughs> that was a cool little celebration. I I really appreciated that. I saw some pretty good celebrations around the National Football League too, but. There was a point in time, and you know, Chip, they didn't let these college guys celebrate because they wanted them to respect the game and blah, 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 all these old heads, which that bullshit. Like, these guys work hard. It's such a violent game. If they make it to the end zone, let them celebrate. As long as they ain't flicking off the other team or humping the ground or something, then let them celebrate. (laughs) Let them have a good time, you dig? And this Texas team, when they get in the end zone, they, hey, let them have a good time and embrace the fruits of their labor. You know what I'm saying? I love it. As long as they're not humping the ground. As long as they're not doing the nasty on the ground. Hell, even Randy Moss, when he did the fake moon in the crowd 
and he got that flag at Lambeau. Something like that's cool, especially on the away team. I mean, you know, might be a little graphic for the children, but hey, parents, they, they're the ones that got to raise them. Don't worry about what Charles Barkley say. I am not a role model. Like, you pick and choose who your role model Yeah, be. Let these guys have fun, man. Yeah. Oh, man. I'm just telling you. This uh, and we'll talk to uh, McLean Baxley of uh, GoPokes.com coming up here at four o'clock because Gundy, Gundy is he. First of all, on the sideline of that BYU game, he had his hands in his pocket. It looked like he was playing with himself. Stop it! Stop. I was like, Stop. Mike, get a hoodie. Get a hoodie oh with some pockets because no. you don't need to put your hands in your pants and then moving, wiggling your fingers around. But he is, he is, he is back to being cocky Gundy. Oh yeah. Cause he knows after starting two and two and it was Ollie Gordon who went to him. I love how they're like, the coaches told Ollie, get ready to carry the ball more. Ollie Gordon went to them and said, I can handle more. Give me more. And that's when they started loading him up. He's averaged 26 carries and 168 yards rushing the last eight games. It was because Ollie Gordon went to the coaches and said, hey, I'm right here. They were floundering around like fish on a boat deck trying to figure out what they were good at. They weren't good at anything. They were rotating quarterbacks. Gunnar Gundy was still getting playing time. Garrett Wrangle. And then finally they settled in on Bowman and Ollie Gordon and everything changed. And Ollie Gordon did become the face of the franchise. He brought toughness to that whole team. That dude is probably your Big 12 Offensive Player of the Year because he single-handedly turned that team around. Yeah, he did. And, you know, as much as we like to poke fun at Mike Gundy, for him to listen to his players like that, a lot of coaches are too prideful for that. A lot of coaches would be like, hey, I'm the coach, you play football, especially after getting blown out by a G5 team like South Alabama. You know, coaches, they don't want to hear what you got to bring to the table. And for him to listen to his players and put that in his offense and make Ollie Gordon the focal point, like, that's huge. That shows a lot of growth for Mike Gundy and – just a lot of confidence in his running back. And Alan Boldman, he's done a solid job. You know, I still think that he's due for interception. I mean, 10 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, that's not a good ratio there. But, you know, when they're running the ball majority of the game and controlling the clock and controlling time of possession, then it's kind of tough. You know, it's kind of tough to deal with those guys. And then that's when Alan Boldman starts hitting you over the top and utilizing some of his – solid receivers like Presley and Owen. So again, they've never faced a defense like Texas. They never faced a front line like this horn squad and they got their work cut out for them. 
They really do, especially with the way this defense has played these last two weeks. The secondary has shown some serious growth, and it is a little concerning that this team might be without Ryan Watts. You know, Ryan Watts has just kind of dealt with injuries throughout his two years here at Texas and then going out the very first play of the game. Like, they threw that pass to Brooks, first play of the game, and Ryan Watts ends up hurting his back, which is unfortunate. But with the way Malik Muhammad, Gavin Holmes, and Taron Brooks have played as of late you're very confident in those cornerbacks to come in and do some damage like literally after ryan watts went out the game malik muhammad a couple of drives later got that crazy interception you know like that was nuts i had no idea how he got that thing he absolutely snagged that and it just kind of shows again the growth and development with this coaching staff and how they've been with the players from week in and week out like you gotta keep getting better they could have easily hit their highest point against Alabama and been like, okay, we're good. But this team, they kept grinding. And obviously the Oklahoma loss was big. But after that game, with all the close wins and stuff, that's built a lot of confidence and knowing that, man, hey, even though we could give up some of these leagues, we could stay together and get out some of these wins, which have led to giving you a shot at the Big 12 title. So, yes, Ali Gordon is a problem. 20 touchdowns this season, five against BYU. The dude's an absolute star but again so is Shavondre Sweat so is Byron Murphy you got Alfred Collins playing the best football of his career here at Texas and just the rotation of all the offensive linemen Justice Finkley's been good Ethan Berg Baron Sorrell like all those guys being able to stay fresh throughout the 60 minute game has paid dividends to this Horn squad's defensive success so yeah one more job this Saturday early morning game and with all the Dallas natives on this team we know what that means they love playing at home you know they got the dub against TCU and they love going back home and Quinn Ewers talked about at Big 12 media day how much he loves playing at Jerry World and I think we're going to see this team which is playing the best football of the season I think they're going to show that on Saturday I really do I have a lot of confidence in this squad going into the Big 12 championship and hopefully getting the fourth one for the horns before they go to the SEC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So show me. Mike Gundy said we can do what we've always done. We can double them or we can do what we've always done. Block them. Block them. (laughs) It's just that easy, Mike. It's just that easy, bro. Like, I, I love it. I love that it's just that easy. I love the confidence. Hey, the scariest thing about playing against a team that has nothing to lose is they have nothing to lose. Zero. They can play freely. No one's picking them to win this team. No one in national media is picking them to win this game. I'm not. So they're going to play with that type of confidence. They're going to play with that type of bulletin board material like they always do. Like That's how Gundy's – that's all he knows. 
with his games against Texas. He thinks that with what he's seen in recent years, that Texas is just going to give up, that they're soft, that they're entitled. And, yeah, keep coming with that same energy, Michael. So Gundy said we can double them some. Yeah. And we can do what we've always done, block them. And Byron Murphy responded 11 a.m. All good. right, let's let's bring in McLean Baxley, who covers Oklahoma State at gopokes.com on the 24-7 network. McLean, how are you doing? Doing well. Trying to stay warm. So <laughs> we just got done with all the player interviews and everything at Texas and and then all the Twitter was coming out of Stillwater where Gundy apparently a dog barked in the middle of the press conference. He said, oh, that must be Sarkeesian around. And then he was asked about blocking Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy. And he's like, well, we can double them some and, and we can do what we've always done the last 15 years, block them. <laughs> and Byron Murphy responded 11 a.m. to that tweet. So Gundy sounds confident. Is that fair to say? I'd say he sounded as confident, as level-headed as he has all season. You know, whether that's against, you know, uh, you know Central Arkansas at the beginning of the season, whether that's against Kansas, middle of the season, Oklahoma, or, you know, Texas now in the Big 12 Championship. I feel like on Monday especially he's been, you know, not confident, not cocky, not, you know, down or, or disappointed, but just pretty level-headed and, he says things, and he said things. He said things at the podium for the last twenty years um, that, that uh, you know other opponents, um, you know, eat up and uses you know bulletin board material or or things to get uh, motivated by. But uh, but yeah, I, I feel like he feels good about his team. You know, Monday night or Saturday night after the game, uh, he was asked about you know Texas is very good. They're a top ten team. You know, potential playoff team. And you know, how do you feel? You stack up against them. He said they've got a lot of talent, a lot of experienced guys and they're a good team but i like my team and so i feel like he feels like he has a team that can compete and they've gotten this point for a reason so uh, so i think he likes his team yeah mcclain mike gundy just winning against texas throughout the years he has no fear in them but this texas team is a lot different than he's faced these last few years talk about the cowboys just kind of roller coaster season the fact that they're going to jerry world is crazy i mean south alabama and it seemed like this team might not even win a game in the big 12 and then they lose the next week against iowa state then they rack off five in a row and we know what happened to ucf but to get two wins after that beating u of h coming back from double digits then beating byu coming back from double digits this team is just they're feisty they're a feisty group but they're also flawed at times yeah you never know what you're gonna, what you're gonna get when you sit down in the press box uh you know with a couple hours before kickoff right i mean we saw on september 16th after that lost south alabama I was worried they might not make a bowl game. I was worried that, you know, I, I come in and they, they the bowl streak ends at 18, you know, in my first year on the beat. But then, like you said, they win five straight against, you know, and four of those teams are really good teams, you know, uh, you know, Kansas, Kansas State, Oklahoma, West Virginia on the road um, in, in a pretty hostile environment. And uh, then, like you said, the UCF game, I think it was kind of a, they were, they were exhausted in that five game streak. Those are five games that they were kind of revenge games. These were teams that they, wanted to win because they lost them last year and these are teams that you know many of them were ranked and you know big emotional wins 
and they kind of just had let down uh, on the road, you know, in the rain on UCF's uh, space game, uh, you know, sellout game. And uh, everything, everything just went perfectly for UCF that day. And then, like you said, two straight wins where they were down early uh, and down often, especially against BYU. They're down by three scores at halftime and came back and, and got it overtime and then got a double overtime and then, you know, got the uh, game winning fumble there uh, to seal the game. But yeah, I mean, this is a gritty team that, uh, we talked to – I asked Alan Bowman, the quarterback, about it, and he said, you know, I said, what about this team makes them be able to come back? And he said that uh, they just have a refusal to lose that they've learned these last, you know, month or so. And, and they don't want to lose. They don't want to – they don't want this team to be the team that doesn't get to that next level. And I think especially – we saw that in those last two weeks, especially Saturday. Saturday felt like a microcosm of the season, being down early against a team you shouldn't have been down to at all, uh, and then finding a way to win there in double overtime. Yeah, and Ali Gordon – um, McLean, you tell us, because I've heard a couple different things that after the South Alabama loss, Ollie Gordon basically told the coaches, I can handle more. Like I can, I can help. And they took it for a test drive against Iowa state. He runs it 18 times for a hundred plus. They didn't win the game because Bowman threw a couple of picks, but that started the string of eight straight 100-yard rushing games. He's averaging 26 carries, 168 yards, nation's leading rusher. Like, take us through what happened for Ollie Gordon to become Ollie Gordon. It's mind-boggling. I mean, you look back to those first three games, Oklahoma State's rotating quarterbacks. They're, you know, every four, they, they give each quarterback a four, four series to do something, and then they switch guys. That happened all three games. You know, they won two of them. Then, like I said, you know, lost South Alabama. They were doing the same thing at running back. Ollie Gordon came in as the, you know, kind of got he was he was the guy last year, especially in the second half of the season. Um, but came in and he was rotating with Jaden Nixon, rotating with Michigan State transfer Elijah Collins. And so in that South Alabama loss, he got less than five carries. Um, and and since then, like you said, eight of the last nine games, he's rushed for at least hundred yards and has been one of the most dynamic players in the country and especially in the conference and especially the running back position. And um, yeah, I mean, he, he just stays humble. He stays, you know, he's a guy that gets better as the game goes on uh, by wearing down defenses, you know, finding finding what they're doing, what where, where they're struggling, where they are, where their holes are. And, and he just you know, gets stronger as the game goes on. And as the season's gone on, that hasn't really let up except for that UCF game when they really honed in to stopping him. Um, and then Bowman couldn't do anything to to balance it out. But I mean, yeah, he's been spectacular. And, and it just every each week that he has a big you know, like we saw this last week where he, you know, supermaned into the end zone. You're just like, how did this guy only get, you know, 20 something carries in those first three games combined? Uh, to, and you just kind of imagine, you look, you look at the stat sheet now where he's leading the, you know, the country in all these rushing stats, and he pretty much missed three games, you know, because of, uh, you know, decision not to really utilize him. And so it's just like, how much more could he be, you know, in the stat sheet and the, you know, whether, you know, Heisman, or Doak Walker, or, you know, different awards? I mean, it's just been super impressive that he's been able to, have so much success after getting, you know, a slow start. Yeah. McClain, talk about how Alan Bowman won the job. You just mentioned the quarterback, just trio of rotation with Wrangell and obviously Gundy. Uh, but Alan Bowman, it seems like he's been around college football for a very long time, being in Lubbock and then Ann Arbor, now down there in Stillwater. And I'm not saying he's bred and Wheaton old, but he's pretty damn old and pretty experienced, which seems like gives him the upper hand over Wrangell and uh, Gundy. But he 
also has his flaws. He has more interceptions than touchdowns. Why him? Why hasn't it worked throughout the season? And why has Gundy stuck with him? I think to when conference play came, you know, they opened against Iowa State. I think choosing uh, Bowman was because of that experience, because of that. You know, this is a guy that's, you know, he won a lot of games at Texas Tech, kind of rode the bench on, you know, back-to-back, you know, playoff teams uh, in Michigan. So he has experience. He's been around winning cultures. He's been, he's been around a lot of college football where the other guys haven't as much. They're younger guys. So I think that kind of won him the job as the, uh, you know, veteran guy in the room. And then he just stuck with him. I mean, it could, because he've had, I think I, I'm curious now, you know, if Ollie Gordon hadn't had the season he's been having, if they would, if there would have been a question to, you know, try Bowman um, on the bench or, you know, throw Rangel or Gunnar Gundy or even, you know, freshman Zane Flores in there, you know, a highly recruited guy last year. And, but he stuck with Bowman the whole way. I mean, the same thing, you know, this, this past Saturday against BYU where he had a couple picks, you know, pick six, a really bad pick six that he owned up to in post game. Uh, but he's definitely the most experienced and has the veteran guy and he, he has a locker room. He came in and really, you know, bought into what, you know, Mike Gundy was trying to do, bought into what Casey Dunn, offensive coordinator, was trying to do and the, the cowboy culture, the Oklahoma State way and has really become a, a voice off the field as much as he has on the field of, of you know, keeping every, everybody level headed keeping them motivated, you know, when, when things are going bad, he's, he's been around teams that have been able to come back and, uh, you know, perform when they need to. And I think that's been huge, uh, both on the field and especially off the field, you know, what, during the week and, and during games too. McLean, um, talking to McLean Baxley, who covers Oklahoma State um, for the 24-7 site, gopokes.com. Um, talk about the defense and and if Oklahoma State is, is going to, you know, pull the upset here. Um, who are the guys on on defense who have to make it happen? I think it all starts with the pass rush, right? I mean, you've got these guys, you know, the, this is the first year, the three three five defense under Brian Nardo, his first year here in Stillwater. Uh, they, they have three guys up front, but they also have Colin Oliver, a linebacker who has really played a lot of defensive end and defensive line, creating that even front. I mean, they, because they've had success with the linebacker position between uh, Nicholas Martin, who leads the conference in tackles, uh, Xavier Benson, who's been a veteran presence for them at linebacker because they're so confident and so reliable. It's allowed Colin Oliver to go sneak up and create havoc uh, there, you know, getting the backfield, stopping the run, and doing what he needs to, to to relieve pressure from a very young secondary. This That's probably their weakest link is the secondary. A lot of freshmen, a lot of redshirt freshmen back there uh, at cornerback, and they've gotten burned a lot this season, both in wins and losses. And um, But so with the pass rush being able to get to the quarterback and make things harder for the quarterback or for the run game, uh, that, that relieves a lot of pressure for, you know, their, their weakest link and, and they can, they can cause havoc. They've got a lot of size up there, you know, Justin Kirkland's, you know, 340 pounds, huge dude, you know, Anthony Goodlaw, Goodlow at Tulsa transfer has been very good for them in this first year in the program. And like I said, Colin Oliver and Nick Martin have just been fantastic um, doing what they need to do. They do things very differently. It feels like the same position. They're both listed as linebacker. The way they approach the position is very different, and what they're asked to do is different. And they've they've done done a good job thus far, both against you know talented teams like the Oklahoma, like the Kansas States, and and against uh, you know maybe less talented teams. 
McLean, how does this offensive line for the Cowboys stack up against Texas defensive line? Because, yes, Ollie Gordon gets a lot of love, but he has to have guys moving people in order to get some of those holes. And, you know, this is a very experienced offensive line. I mean, there's about four redshirt seniors on it, and Dalton Cooper is probably the best one y'all have. But, yeah, we know what Texas defensive line brings. How do you think this matchup is going to be when it comes to in between the trenches? I think that's where the game's won and lost, obviously, or honestly. Um, you know, like I said, getting Ollie Gordon going is crucial for Oklahoma State's offensive odds and, and odds to win the game, period. And um, like I said, it's a very veteran offensive line. And when that shift happened after, you know, the loss to Iowa State, really, um, you know, they, had that, they had the bye week and the offensive line really took it upon themselves to, to you know, hunker down and create holes for Ollie, create time for Bowman in the passing game. Um, these, these are a lot of veteran guys, these guys that have seen a lot of college football. Uh, you know, they were on the field last year when they played Texas. They were on the field, you know, for a lot of things and over the past couple of years. And like you said, Dalton Cooper has been probably their best and most reliable guy on that line. But Texas has a lot of dudes, a lot of very talented guys, a lot of size guys. Um, you know, Gundy said today they've always had that, but I think he was kind of, um, you know, I think we as reporters and we as media can see that this team, that this, this, Texas defense is better than it has been in a lot of years. And so, uh, you know, they're, they're going to be able to get back there. And, and I think it's going to be really crucial for this offensive line to create holes for Gordon for Gordon, and really just keep their quarterback up front. Because if, if they get behind chains, if they get, you know, into a third and 12, third and 14, uh, it could be a rough afternoon uh, there in Dallas. What about special teams, McLean? What, uh, how do you size up Oklahoma State special teams? I mean, this is going to be a fun uh, kicker's duel, right? I mean, Bert Ar- Auburn versus Alex Hale. I mean, they're, they're one and two in field goals made this season in the country. I mean, they, they've been pretty reliable both in, you know, field goals, extra points. I mean, they've been very good. And, you know, two kind of veteran guys that, have, you know, also had a lot of success. And so uh, Alex Hale's been very good. And, you know, he missed an extra point uh, Saturday against BYU. He, he has trouble sometimes getting it. it he, he It's too low sometimes. And so – uh, it looks like it's blocked, but he just doesn't get enough height on it sometimes, uh, which, is, which has been an issue several times this season. Uh, but for the most part, on field goals especially, he, he's, he's clutch. And then, you know, they, they've had a, a lot of weird plays. I, 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 the one I put six out is against West Virginia. In the same game, Oklahoma State muffed a punt, and West Virginia took over. And, the same, and then, you know, a couple series later, West Virginia muffs a punt, and Oklahoma State takes over. So it's, they've, it's been a weird season. They've got a lot of speed on the outside that can get uh, both – towards the punter to create pressure there and also to get down the field and, and, you know, whether it's a fair catch or, or not, I mean, they, they can, they can get to the, uh, you know, punt returner pretty quickly. And um, now they know how to deal with an often uh, uh, onside kick, you know, BYU tried to onside kick on Saturday and they would have gotten it if it hadn't been for an illegal block, but um, you know, that's something that, you know, Gundy said they've trained for and practiced uh, both during the season and preseason. So, I mean, they, they, they're pretty good on such teams. Uh, I think it's kind of their unsung hero and kind of, like I said, has been pretty level even when they weren't, you know, winning as at the rate they are now. McLean, we all know that in order for Oklahoma State to win this game, they got to have some explosive plays, especially through the air with all the attention Ollie Gordon's going to get. Do you think this wide receiver core, when you look at Presley and some of these other guys, do you think they could get the job done against Texas secondary, which we've seen throughout the season, as good as Texas defense is, has been vulnerable at times? 
I think so. You know, Leon Johnson and Rashad Owens are two guys that preseason a lot of Oklahoma State fans weren't really aware of, and now they're one and two, and, and um, they're probably their two best receivers other than Presley. I mean, these are guys, Leon Johnson, a kid from Division Three. George Fox came in this season, was expected to redshirt, and then injuries happened, and he's forced into action. And now he's played, you know, five games, and he he has burned his red shirt. This is last year college football. He's been he's been really really good. Made some clutch plays and um, has gotten open down the field. And then Rashad Owen, similar story. He's a guy that's been here for a long time, and you know has played some tight end, played some receiver, and has really stepped up this year. I mean, it seems like every catch he makes, he doesn't just catch like the wide open, you know, slant. He's catching it, you know, while he's falling falling down or you know catching it around a defender he can't catch it normally he only he, he likes catching things on a hard hard level um but those two guys can get open they can get down the field um i don't know how often album and and this offense wants to throw it downfield that much they're not taking a lot of shots this season um whether that's based off the talent they have or the talent they're playing against but i mean they're they're big on the slants big on the uh, screen and, and you know kind of hitch routes and stuff um i can't i mean there hasn't been too many just long, you know, throw it up there like we saw, you know, in the you know, mid 2000s, you know, with Whedon and Blackman. Um, so uh, this is definitely more, you know, short because these guys, are, you know, after catch, you know, Presley especially, he's a guy that he catches the ball, he can go 20, 30 yards uh, after catching, and he's able to, you know, shift his way around the defender. So uh, they've got some guys and they've got some size on the outside that that can compete, you know, if if Gordon isn't able to do what he needs to do. So Alan Bowman. He got 11 interceptions, 10 touchdown passes. Donovan Smith is the only quarterback in the Big 12 with more interceptions. Have Bowman's interceptions, how many of them been on him, bad decision? How many of them have been under pressure? How many of them have been drops by the receivers? At least three of them have been drops, and I think half of them came against UCF. Um, and these are ones that are right on the right on their receivers' hands, and just like whether it's because of the rain or just you know whatever it was, they ended up in the defender's hand. Half of them have been bad plays. You know, we talked about on Saturday against BYU. It was a, you know he snapped the ball and then quickly threw it left, and it looked like he was throwing it to the defender. He was right there. It's a, and then in post game, we asked him about it, and he said it's a play they've run several times. It's worked for big yardage those other two times, but this time BYU knew what was going to be happening. And so I think another problem with him with him is that he's not going to take a sack. And so a lot of times he'll throw it away. I mean, a lot of Oklahoma State fans are annoyed. They're on our rush board. They're on Twitter talking about him throwing the ball away maybe too early sometimes. And sometimes he throws the ball away kind of, I guess, in the field of play, which leads to interceptions and kind of 50-50 balls that his, team, his players might not always win. So, he, you know, they're, they're one of the best about not taking sacks. but I'd rather have a sack than an interception if I'm Oklahoma State. And that's something that Bowman's definitely been victim of, of, you know, keeping the play alive rather than just kind of throwing away or just taking the sack. Yeah. McLean, what's the vibe with the Sooners along with the Longhorns going to the SEC? I've heard Gundy talk about the Bedlam game and how he could really care less what happens after OU goes to the SEC, which a lot of other fans that love that rivalry wish they could keep it intact, but I guess that's not going to happen. But what's the vibe with the Arizona schools, Utah and Colorado coming into the Big 12 in 2024? There's excitement there. Are there? There's excitement there about you know bringing those four teams in, you know expanding westward, uh, you know getting Arizona and you know Utah, you know Kyle Whittingham has been around just as long as Gundy has, so there's a lot of uh, you know experience, a lot of uh, similarities between those two programs. I feel like you know success is a constant in both programs, and 
as far as OU and Texas, November 4th definitely changed a lot about the perception of Bedlam ending, you know, with Oklahoma State being able to win the final one in the way they want it and, you know, storming of the field. And, uh, you know, I, I, under Gundy's watch, he will never reschedule a regular season game. He's talked plenty about how, uh, you know, bowls are going to want that to be a game in the future, you know, with a Big 12 SEC you know, matchup um, in a bowl game. But as far as regular season, that's over. They, I mean, I, I don't think Oklahoma and Oklahoma State will ever play again in the regular season. And, and it, it could be probably the same thing about Texas. Uh, there's not obviously as much uh, hate and, uh, you know, disdain towards the Longhorns as there is their in-state rivals. But uh, I think it's kind of a they chose to leave. They're going to leave. Um, and, and we're kind of better for it. And I think a lot of Oklahoma State fans are, are excited to, to kind of enter this new uh, era as, you know, now with Oklahoma and Texas out. I mean, they're definitely one of the more uh, consistent teams towards the top as far as, you know, preseason pre expectations to win um, now that Texas and Oklahoma to, you know, recruiting hotbeds to teams that are preseason always, you know, top 25 and have that national scale, they're out. So now it's really, you know, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, and Utah probably towards the top every season, um, you know, preseason and, you know, regular season as well, just by the amount of, you know, talent and uh, coaching on those staffs. All right, McLean, last one from me. How do you think this – plays out Saturday? I think it's going to be a uh, – I think Texas is going to go out to an early lead, and uh, it's going to be a lot of Oklahoma State trying to fight back, and I'm not sure if Oklahoma State has the uh, talent to kind of keep up like they did against you know, BYU and Houston. I think this is a game that uh, is going to be won pretty early on. Whether it ends up being a you know Texas Tech-Texas like we saw on Friday night or if it's going to be a closer game, I think it should be a closer game, and I don't know if Texas – is going to be able to drop, you know, 55, 60 points on them. But um, I think I think it's a game that Texas, you know, sets the tone early on. And I don't know if Oklahoma State can kind of catch up and and um, do what they can to give Mike Gundy their second uh, Big 12 win. Yeah, Mike, what, he won uh, in 2011. That is his only uh, – and then he says that the, if the field was only 99 yards in 2021, he would have gotten a second one. Um, but <laughs> that was unfortunately for, the, unfortunately for the Cowboys uh, football field is a hundred yards. So, they, uh, so this, this is going, it's, it's their second big 12 championship appearance in three years, um, which is, I think a fine set to throw out if you're an Oklahoma state fan, but you know, it's, they haven't won it since 2011. So, well, I will see you in Arlington, my friend. Appreciate, uh, appreciate you taking some time with us today. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all. All right. Thanks, McLean. McLean Baxley, 24-7 Sports, the Oklahoma State site, gopokes.com. Mike Gundy, he can't help himself. Zay? He can't, and that's kind of a part of his charm, to be honest. You know, everybody knows the where we at in society quotes and – you know, come at me, I'm a man, I'm 40, all this and that. Like, the dude's definitely quotable, and he is very confident being in Stillwater, and he's very comfortable being in Stillwater, and he's done a great job over the years, you know, developing those two- and three-star guys and having multiple draft picks and some of the best wide receivers that we've seen in the college game, you know. The dude's done a hell of a job. He deserves his flowers and he deserves his salutes, but this might be a check that his ass can't cash when talking crap about this Texas team, even though he's not meaning to. As you said, Chip, he just can't 
can't help himself. I don't think he's meaning to when he throws out shots like, you know, T-Sweat and Byron Murphy. Hey, we're just going to block them like we've done these last 15 years. Hey, let's put some res- more respect on these guys' names. I'm telling you, but... Hey, it is what it is. You just got to play. I love what Brian Murphy said. See them at 11 a.m. That's all you could say. And, hey, once that ball is kicked off, we'll see who the Big 12 championship could be. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, listen, let me tell you about Apple Leasing and making sure you get into the car you really want to be driving. Apple Leasing is an Austin original. Um, There's nothing like they don't care what car you pick because they lease every make and model of car. So whether you want to keep your payments in the $400 range or get a Range Rover, they're going to get it for you. And here's the thing. You're probably like me in the past. I was like, I'm only buying used cars. I want all the depreciation out of that car. I don't want to have to pay for the future trade-in value. With Apple leasing, you're not paying for the future trade-in value of that car. So you're getting into a better car than you thought you could afford, and it's brand new. It's under warranty. You're not paying for repairs. You're paying for the new car smell, baby. And look, you're going to be in traffic, so you better love the car you're in. Some of you are driving around in a car you can't stand. That's no way to go through life. And don't lease from a dealership because they're not going to let you out of that lease. If you lease from Apple Leasing, you want to change make and model of car? No problem. The easy lease. Everything about Apple Leasing is easy. So give them a call, 346-9977. Or visit AppleLeasing.com. Tell them Chip Brown sent you. Uh, And it's Monday, kids. So make sure that you're getting over to Salt Trader Coastal cooking. You got all night happy hour tonight, 3.30 to close. You can check out Monday Night Football and eat like a king or queen off the beginnings menu. $5 off the beginnings menu, which includes the New Orleans barbecue shrimp, the grilled oysters, the chowder fries. Oh, I'm getting hungry just thinking about it. Salt Traders Coastal Cooking. This is the restaurant from our man, Jack Gilmore, who gave you Jack Allen's Kitchen Salt Traders. Got the Zilker, Austin location, and Round Rock. All night happy hour tonight. Zay? My man. I I feel pretty good about this uh, Big 12 title game. Texas is a nine and a half point favorite. Is that right? Um, it started off check. ten on Saturday night. I haven't seen it since. Oh, 13 and a half. My bad. Oof. Texas, <laughs> thirteen and a half. I'm not doubting them at this point. Not after fifty-seven to seven, they finally showed us they can open a can. Finally. That's true. And I just I like I like what they've got. I like Oklahoma State uh on defense. Nicholas Martin, he's a he's a player. Colin Oliver, um, you know, Xavier Benson, Trey Rucker, they got some dudes, but they're weak in the secondary, and that's where Texas can kill them. With Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, J.T. Sanders, um, 
So I just don't. And Ollie Gordon, if he can do what only Harrison Whaley of Wyoming and Dylan Gabriel have been able to do this season. And Harrison Whaley got 62 of his 100 on one run because our man Anthony Hill was a young, young pup and got out of his gap and gave up that touchdown run. But those are the only 200-yard rushers Texas has given up all year. Dylan Gabriel, 113 yards, 44 of those. You know, most of them came on scrambles. One of them was a 44-yard scramble. So what I'm saying is I just don't. You know, and what Taj Brooks ran for 95, yeah, on 19 carries. Mm-hmm. I don't see Allie Gordon taking over this game, yeah. And if you look back at the tech game, if it wasn't for that really good kick return by Texas Tech, putting them in good field position, I don't know if the Red Raiders would have put up seven. I mean, Brooks had a 26 yard rush. A little bit after that, Keaton Crawford had the pass interference call, which led to Baron Morton on the quarterback scramble for the score. But, yeah, this defense is as locked in as they've ever been. And I'm with you. I'm not worried about Oklahoma State as much as I have been about other teams, especially with the confidence this defense is playing with. And if you look at quarterback for Oklahoma State, Alan Bowman, All the quarterbacks that the Horns have struggled with, which have led to points given up, have been against mobile quarterbacks. You know, even Baron Morton last week had a couple of scrambles and utilized his legs a little bit. Now, he got cracked a couple of times and all that shit stopped, but that dude was pretty mobile, and Alan Bowman brings none of that. None. You heard McClain talking. The dude, he'll hold on to the ball for a long time just to try to find something up the field. He's not going to hold on to it to go scramble. Like, that's not what he wants to do. So you're going to be able to get to him and muck stuff up, and hopefully he could give you some ducks. Again, he has 10 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, so he's going to give the secondary opportunities to make plays. They just got to capitalize on them. And in recent weeks, from Mookie Taft to Jaron Thompson to Terrence Brooks to Malik Muhammad, these guys are starting to turn the ball over. Like, there was a drought in the middle of the season where you weren't seeing enough turnovers for you know jet bush his pick six you just weren't seeing it and then week week in and week out you started to see it more you started to see that pressure more and pk relying on this defense what you and i talk about all the time playing tighter with the secondary not playing that just lazy soft coverage like really focusing in on your training and what you do week in and week out like these athletes are too good to not play tighter in the secondary and the fact that they've started to do that specifically these last two weeks is showing why guys like Rocco Beck and guys like Baron Morton could go out there and struggle and give you those opportunities to make plays in the secondary. So if you could clog up that run game, which we know Oklahoma State, like that's their bread and butter, they're going to do that regardless of how good Texas is, like they're not going to get away for what they're comfortable with. Then when it's time for uh, Alan Bowman to drop back, you got to be ready to make plays. And I have a lot of confidence that this team is going to do that. Like you mentioned Anthony Hill, where he's come from, from the Alabama game to now, he's still getting better. 
and PK and this coaching staff, they're putting them in solid situations to be successful. Like that sack that he had, that was money, man. His ability to rush and get behind the line of scrimmage and the mutt stuff up at that age, it's different. It's a big reason why that flip, you know, from A&M was so big because that dude is a difference maker coming out of Denton, man. And that hit that he had on Taj Brooks on the fourth and two, like, come on. Just how he ran that out, just how he collapsed to the ball. Again, Taj Brooks, that dude's used to breaking tackles. He's one of the best in the nation when it comes to breaking tackles. There was no doubt that Anthony Hill wasn't going to let that dude get a first down. And that mentality, and again, just I can't say it enough, the development with this whole team from the coaching staff down to just making it work, going from week to week and getting better, knowing that, damn, after Oklahoma, we let one get away. We can't have that happen. And actually making something of that and meaning that, that's been huge, man. And that's why a lot of Texas friends, when they look back at the 2023 squad, they should be really proud because, again, we've seen it in some very dark times as of late. And who knows what could happen this week for championship weekend. Obviously, you need a lot to go right and a little bit of luck here and there. But all you could do is control your own destiny. And this Horns team, I think they know that. And they're right where their goals were set out to be. Like, they're right there. They wanted to win a Big 12 championship. Well, you have an opportunity to do that. And Oklahoma State, if you play the way that your team is capable of playing, they shouldn't get in the way of that. Yeah. Um, hey, don't look now, kids. Texas A&M has a new football coach. We will uh, we'll talk about that right after I tell you about great blue hair and furniture. GreatBlueHairAndFurniture.com. I mean, you're going to be in um, high-end leather furniture. Now, go to the website, GreatBlueHairAndFurniture.com, because you're going to see it all. It's unbelievable. Whether you're looking for a couch or love seat or recliner, bar stools, and you can design your own furniture. This is what I think is the coolest thing going. Um, they'll walk you through it so easy, but you can design exactly what you want. So you can look at all the furniture and then you can say, you know what? I want to do this. I want to design this. And you're going to get exactly what you want. And it is built for a lifetime. That's what makes great blue hair and furniture stand out above all else. Custom made. And don't forget to use the hook'em. Promo code, that is the Texas Sports Unfiltered promo code. Hook them, you're going to get 15% off. And then when you're sitting in your great blue hair and furniture, you can check out your big screen from audio-visual consultations. If your big screen is not so big that you don't feel like you're on the sideline at the game, it's not big enough. You need a bigger one. All you got to do is call 255-8678. Let Tom McKay and his crew bring everything to you. Don't go shopping for a TV. He's going to bring you the best price on the big screens, surround sound, uh, electronic shades, new lighting, surveillance, audio, visual consultations. They do it all. All you got to do is call 255-8678. Um, and uh, Zay, Texas A&M. John Sharp. So his athletic director, Ross Bjork, liked Mark Stoops. And Mark Stoops, SEC coach, 
has won at a place that no one was winning, Kentucky, and solid program builder. But the fans, Texags, melted down. And John Sharp put the Board of Regents to work and said, no, we're not hiring Mark Stoops. We're going to hire Mike Elko. So John Sharp hired Mike Elko. And that's how you got your new football coach, Aggies. So everyone's going to be comparing Mark Stoops and Mike Elko from this day forward. John Sharp hired Mike Elko. What do you think, Zay? Um, I mean, they're already doing weird shit with Mike Elko. Well, they're sawing varsity's horns off. Yeah. <laughs> so they're already bringing Mike Elko into that weird shit. I mean, we know he's a defensive guru. We know that those years that he had at AM from 2018 to 21 were solid. And what he's done in Durham these last few years have been really good. You know, that's a hard place to play. Also, obviously, you're going to be in the basketball team shadow. And I'm right there with Daryl G. I think I would be more terrified as a Texas fan if they got Jeff Trailer than I would Mike Elko. But I still think Mike Elko is a good get after the Jim. Jimbo Fisher fiasco, and he's a guy that understands the culture down at College Station, and he's going to get that defense right. Now, will he be able to recruit like Jimbo did these last few years? That's to be determined. It's different getting those type of players that you were getting in Durham than it is in College Station, but Mike Elko knows he has the resources and the NIL backup to help make those things stay afloat. Um, yeah, I think it's a solid hire. I do. I think Mike Elko does a good job. You know, I think he could turn this team around. And you It's know, all going to be about his offensive coordinator. Yeah, that's it. You're right. Because he'll get the defense right, but for a defensive-minded head coach, that's why I always say Bob Stoops was so good because his first offensive coordinator was Mike Leach. <sighs> He had the spread concepts, but he always had the ability to go two tights and a fullback. And Stoops, you know, then it was Mark Mangino. He did a great job of hiring offensive coordinators as a defensive-minded head coach. We got to see if Mike Elko can do that because look at Dave Aranda. He fires his OC after one year, keeps Jeff Grimes for two years. Now he's fired. You know, Aranda's... Now he and then he fired his defensive coordinator after one year, Matt Powellage. He's going to call the defense. I think like Mac Rhodes is a really good AD at Baylor, but and I get it. You won the Big 12 championship two years ago. It's hard to fire a guy, but man, I was surprised they didn't pull the plug on Aranda and grab Trailer because Houston wants Trailer. I, I, and I think Trailer is like, trying to figure it all out. Like, can I get a better job? Do I wait? Um, Houston, you know, Gary Patterson wants the Houston job. I think. Gary he really? I thought that was just a rumor. No, he want he he'll take that job. Wow. Gary. 
Gary would take that job. And, wow. and so U of H. What we yeah, have, what is what does U of H do? Do they do they bring in Gary and you know hope that he is refreshed and has it all figured out after spending a year with Sark about how to use the portal and NIL? Because that was not easy for Gary. Like Gundy, Gundy, Aranda, these guys, they didn't embrace the portal. They didn't embrace NIL. Uh, that's another reason you got to just give Sark a big attaboy because he talks about those damn dinosaurs all the time, but <laughs> how they couldn't adapt. He's really talking about guys like Aranda and Gundy and Dabo and Gary Patterson. I mean, you got to adapt. Yeah. You know? Saban adapts. So I'm fascinated to see what Houston does because I think they would love trailer, but they could have had that deal done by now. And, and I know they're considering Gary and I think they want to see if Willie Fritz will leave Tulane. He has not left Tulane. Um, up to this point. So it sounds like those are the guys you got to keep an eye on. Yeah. And that Houston job, it's attractive because you could just recruit in that city and be pretty damn good. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you hey, have to take a flight to recruit. You never have to take a flight. But like, hey, you want grandma to come see you? Stay home. Go right down the street. All those, all that talent in the Cypress area and whatnot. Like, come on, man. Like, that's what TCU and SMU do. They just stay in the Dallas Fort Worth area. They can recruit all those guys. And or in the transfer portal, guys who leave Texas, they go get them and bring them back home. You know, that's huge. There's so much talent on the outskirts, especially on the G5 area. Like, why not do that? So yeah, with Texas and Oklahoma leaving to the SEC and those four Pac-12 teams coming into town. Like, those Houston, that Houston job is very appealing. So it just matters, you know, who they want at this point, whether it's Jeff Trailer or Gary Patterson. Those are two pretty good candidates, if you ask me. And Dana Holgerson going back to that Texas game where Jale Barron – or they first off going back to that Texas game where they got the bad uh, <laughs> spot – that was brutal. And then John A. Barron just mucking things up on the fourth down where Dana was hitting the ground in disgust and dropping all types of F-bombs. He knew then that his season was over. His career at Houston was over. You could tell right at that moment he was like, I needed this game to save my job, and it doesn't matter what I do for the rest of the year. Yeah, a couple of these losses, they don't look good either, but if he would have won that game, and messed up all of Texas hopes of even seeing the college football playoff or even being able to like attempt to play for one that could have saved his job. And maybe he would still be in the H right now, but yeah. Man. yeah because well, after he lost to rice, he was fighting an uphill battle. Like that was brutal. All the Houston alums, T Tillman for Tita, they were all like, what just happened? Yeah, you lost to the Harvard in Texas? What? <laughs> These guys were studying and writing book reports before watching film. We lost to them? That hurt. Then he, 
Then he had the 24-6 lead uh, or whatever it was on Oklahoma State. Cough that up. Yep. You know, had the – you're right. He had Texas right where he wanted them. And he doesn't get the third down spot. Big T sweat, bent his man backwards. And then the fourth and one, Donovan just – rushed that throw because honestly that kid was open and Donovan kind of kind of skipped it but yeah Dana's gonna take his buyout money and go sit by the lake and the question is do you go with Gary Patterson who knows you know because they the whole reason they loved Dana was because he'd been in the big 12 they wanted him to help them get into the Big 12. He did. He knew the Big 12. So you can make the same argument about Gary Patterson that, hey, Gary dominated the Big 12. He dominated Texas, blah, blah, blah. But does he have the young energy, the the recruiting energy of a Jeff Trailer? And even though trailer hasn't been at the P five level, dude can recruit, dude can coach. I mean, I think, I think Houston would want, like if they could put it in a row and a little list, it would be trailer, Willie Fritz, Gary Patterson. So if they end up with Fritz, just because he, he knows that area so well and he's, you know, he's a proven winner who has recruited Houston like crazy. And and so, you know, yeah. but. I mean, he, he's done a hell of a job at Tulane, you know. Yeah, he's playing my Mustangs for the, for the conference championship this weekend. There we go, Willie. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Brett Lashley, baby, don't count him out. <laughs> My cousin, who's a booster of the Miami Hurricanes, is like, screw Mario Cristobal. We need Rhett Lashley. Wow. I'm like, just wow. stay in your lane over there. Yeah, that's, that's talking a little crazy. But, hey, all right. That's how they well, he feel. Thinks, he thinks Mario Cristobal is the worst in-game coach ever. Great recruiter. Terrible in-game coach. Yeah. Damn. You don't want to get that. Yeah, and UTSA is working to keep trailer. There's no there's no doubt about that. Um, I just know trailer wants a program that has the NIL money. Yeah. You see uh, Will Howard, Kansas State quarterback, transfer portal. After that snow globe game that they had against Iowa State this past weekend. 
crazy atmosphere, man. That was crazy. A cool, that was that a was. cool atmosphere. And yeah, he was hurt. He was hurt, but Avery Johnson, I don't think Will Howard was expecting that. I thought he was like, yo, I was in the quarterback battle with AJ Martinez in 2022. I earned the spot. And it seemed like Chris Clement said, um, the hell you do. Like, you better produce, or this freshman gonna come get some run. And that's exactly what happened. So Will Howard said, Peace out, Manhattan. It's been love, but I'm taking my talent somewhere else. Yeah, I think a lot of schools would love to have Will Howard in that experience. And the fact that, you know, if it wasn't for a certain injuries, who knows, man? Kansas State might be in this Big 12 championship game because Will Howard did get hurt early in the season. And if Chris Kleiman would have taken the field goal against Texas and not gone for it, who knows where Kansas State would be? You know what I'm saying? But, hey, Will Howard moving on to who knows where. We'll see what happens with that. Yeah, that was that was crazy to think. That game was in Manhattan. Yeah. And Iowa State got him. Rocco. Rocco was making some throws in the snow. Rocco is going to be a problem for the Big 12. So. Rocco's tough. I like him, man. Texas, I like Texas, him a lot. Texas got Rocco at just the right time. Yeah. Because Rocco is going to – his nuts are going to drop, and it's going to be like, oh, wow. This dude yeah. this dude is a gamer. Yeah, he reminds me a lot of Purdy, man. Yeah, he, he reminds me a lot of Purdy. He has a lot of moxie. Purdy back on top. You saw him last night or uh, on Thursday against Seahawks. I called that one wrong. I think I went over to be honest. I don't I know. Think I, did too. I, <laughs> I think I went over because Brock Purdy and that defense. Right when they get Chase Young, they look like the best defense in the uh, uh, the NFL again. It's nuts. I thought. Getting rid of, not getting rid of, but Talanoa Hufunga getting hurt tearing his ACL, that'd be an issue. Nope. They had Geno Smith seeing ghosts, man. And I'm like, yo, that wide receiver core with Lockett, Metcalf, and Jackson Smith and Jigba, y'all got to be better than this, Geno. And nope. Geno looked Geno yeah. looked hurt. Yeah, he did look hurt. They were lighting his ass up. Nick Bosa and Fred Warner and Greenlaw, they they got their mojo back down in San Francisco. And everybody in the NFC, they should be very nervous about that team getting hot at the right time because this is that time where you want to start playing your best football. And the Cowboys seems like they're doing that. And Baltimore, Man. big win last night. Some good football going on in the National Football League. I mean, Deron Bland. Five. Right? Yeah, five. five. NFL five record. Sixers. Yeah. I mean, yeah, Cowboys just put the beat down on the Commanders. Dak was good. That yeah, good. spreading that ball around. Everybody got to eat. CD Lamb got a touchdown. Galante Turpin got one. You know, Brandon Cooks got a touchdown. He Zach spreading it out. 
Cavante. Here, here we go. Cowboys were so confident they had turkey legs in the kettle. For real. That, that's ignorant, Dak. You were wilding there. That's, yeah, you your brother's brother. Because <laughs> eating the turkey leg before the clock went to zero, that's petty, man. That's petty. It's not like it's just any old opponent. Like, this is a division game. Like, you got to face these guys twice a year for your foreseeable future. So, like, they're going to remember that. At least I would. You know what oh, I'm yeah. saying? But, man, yeah, Cowboys, they're playing with a different swagger right now. And I appreciate it. I really do. Oh, oh, oh. oh. We got 10 minutes left. We got to get to the chip shot and the right call. Okay, chip shot. Yo, Mike Gundy. You're going to find, I think, you've got a different Texas Longhorns team on your hands. And even though you have owned the Texas Longhorns in the state of Texas in Austin, where you won five in a row. Damn. Five in a row in Austin against Texas. I think you're going to find a little different culture, a little different defensive line. Little different quarterback than the one you saw two years ago or last year, I mean, in Stillwater that went 19 of 49, 38% passing, three interceptions. Um, this is a different Texas team. And I love that Gundy's got the swag and the mojo because he looked cold, wet, and looked like he was playing with himself. <laughs> gotta go back and watch that in game. the byu game even my wife was like what is he doing like <laughs> i was watching that and i didn't see all that i don't think i was paying attention too hard i gotta go back man that he was wild he was wearing some of those thin kind of pants and his hands were wiggling around in his pockets it looked like yo man get a hoodie Get a hoodie pocket, put those hands in. But bottom line, I like the matchup. I like the matchup for Texas. I like the fact that Alan Bowman has more interceptions than touchdown passes. And Ollie Gordon, as tough as he is, I saw that Central Florida game. I saw what happens when things start going sideways early. Ollie had a Big fumble at his own 20 led to a touchdown for the mm. for the bounce house kids. So and the Texas players are taking note of every they're keeping receipts on everybody. Brett Yormark, Joey McGuire. Shit was running in their weight room all last week. <laughs> I told you. Did I call it? I told you. That's what I'm talking about. Whoever's responsible, saluting kudos to you. I told you that's what we needed. Picture of Brett Yormark in a, a fat head Boy. size and blasting that audio throughout the speakers, throughout the locker room and weight room. And I love to hear that they did it. Great job. That is great motivation tactic right there. They did it. So now it's time. From my man, Zay, the right call, Collier. 
Yeah, before we get to the right call, shout out to Covert BK, Covert Auto Group, family-owned auto group and automotive dealerships that have been serving the greater Austin area for over a 100 years. Man, that is a very long time, and to only – or to be able – to sell cars for that long, you gotta be good. You gotta be consistent. And they've been committed to providing customers with a high quality selection of new and pre-owned vehicles. The customer satisfaction is terrific. The service is outstanding. And you could get seven brands to choose from when it comes to Covert BK, Buick, Cadillac, GMC, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, and Ram. You're going to find what you want at Covert BK, SUVs, cars, trucks, etc. You need that sunroof, they got it. You need some with a little more window tamp, sure, they got it. You need the hybrid, they got it. Go check out the latest specials and inventory at CovertBK.com. Nobody beats a Covert deal, not now, not ever. All right, Chip, for the right call, let's go to some Texas basketball who played yesterday at the Moody Center and got themselves a 23-point win against the Wyoming Cowboys, 86-63. to Five players in double figures, Caden Shedrick, Max Aismas, Tyrese Hunter, IT Horton, and Dylan Mitchell. And, man, Chip, I liked some of the offense that Coach Terry and his coaching staff has put in since the UConn game. They did a lot of different stuff that I haven't seen yet. And it flowed with what this offense can really do. You know, you've got some guys on the perimeter that are really good at shooting off the dribble. So they do a lot of dribble handoff coming off screen type of things. You know, they'll do a dribble handoff where they'll come off the screen. Then they'll throw it back to the post. Then they'll come get the ball off a dribble handoff, which can lead to an off-the-dribble jumper, something that Max Aismas and IT Horton really thrive at. So to do some of that and make a kind of a new offense that we haven't seen this year in the 2023-24 season, I think it's huge for the progress of this squad, especially with Dylan Tassou still being out. And the stuff that they were doing, they were doing a lot of floppy motion where you would have two down screens and the guard will you know start from the bottom or kind of below the rim and they will come off those double screens and catch the ball for a shot and if that wasn't open they would turn the corner and then there will be another screen coming around so it's constant movement and it doesn't allow the help side guy to stay in one spot he's gonna have to move and stay with his man if he doesn't then his man's gonna be open while the guy that's dribbling the ball is attacking the rim so I saw that a lot yesterday against Wyoming and, and I think that's huge. You know, Max A. Smith getting his rhythm back. He had a tough New York, you know, just stint against Louisville, even though he hit that game winning shot. His percentage wasn't good against UConn. Same, his percentage wasn't good. And he was taking some ill advised shots that weren't necessarily in the offense. Against Wyoming, his 23 points, a lot of those came within the offense. And Dylan Mitchell, I still think he could be Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. I know it's going to be tough with guys like Kevin McCuller, you know, in the conference at Kansas, but Dylan Mitchell's athleticism, he's just too gifted, you know, as a freak athlete to not be a problem on the defensive end. 
And when he gets rebounds, he doesn't have to hit the guard for an outlet pass to start the break. He can get rebounds and push it himself. You saw it a couple of times yesterday, and it led to Max Aceman's threes. So as long as this team can continue to get better, that's obviously, you know, the main thing right now when you're heading in for Big 12 play. Next week they're going to get tested when they go to Wisconsin and play Shaka Smart's uh, Marquette team, who I think has the best two guards in the nation, and Cam Jones and Tyler Kolick. That's going to be a huge test for this Longhorn squad. But right now they're trying to figure out their rotation. And when Dylan DeSue comes back, I think they have a good eight-man rotation. In college basketball, you want to have a nine-man rotation. Obviously, 10 is ideal, but that's kind of unrealistic, and certain guys could not really get in the rhythm if you have 10. But right now, they have a good seven without the Sioux. They got Max Aismas, Tyrese Hunter, Dylan Mitchell, IT Horton, Caden Shedrick, Zirik Oyema, and Brock Cunningham. Uh, Dylan Dasu will make eight, and I think Kendall Weaver and Chris Johnson they're battling it out for that ninth spot. You know, Chris Johnson he showed some flashes yesterday hitting an off the dribble jumper, and Kendall Weaver, the UT Arlington transfer, that dude he's a good defender, but his offense it's not quite where Ronnie Terry I bet wants it to be. So, those guys are going to be fighting for minutes, and whoever just kind of plays better basketball, obviously, will probably get the upper hand when it comes to making that nine-man rotation but I'm liking what I see from week to week game to game this team's only going to continue to get better and get more comfortable and they made their free throws and they made their free throws that's so important if Zirik Oyema and Dylan Mitchell can make their free throws then that's going to be huge to this Horns team's success because you've got to knock them down. They're free for a reason. If you're the aggressor and you're able to get to the line, especially in the Big 12 where they don't call many fouls like they do for the rest of the country. So whenever you're able to get to the line, you got to make them count. And this Horns team, they're doing that. But now, until Mitchell, Dylan Dester gets back, we never know what this team can really be. Mitchell and Onyema didn't have any free throw attempts. But Shedrick makes his free throws. We know Aismas and um, Tyrese Hunter make free throws. And Brock made his free throws. And IT Horton was the only one who missed one. He was one of two Texas 12 of 13 from the free throw line. But that um, they attempted less free throws than, uh, than the other team made yeah not good never good that's 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 a that's a cc stat that's a that's yeah, a that's eight. never good <laughs> that's never good and that kind of shows for them to win by 23 and get killed at the free throw stripe that kind of shows how good this team can be but yeah, I know we've got to wrap up today's show. Great show on Texas Sports Unfiltered with Chip and Zay. And we'll be with y'all at 1 tomorrow and at 1 the rest of the week. Let's go. Let's go, man. Big we tailgating, baby. We tailgating for the Let's big go, championship baby. game. Talk that shit, Mike right, Gundy. We want it. We want all the yeah. smoke. Snoop Dogg, Willie Nelson, we want all the smoke, baby. Keep it Let's coming. Go. Keep it coming. Hey, tune in tomorrow at 8 a.m. for BK and Bucky, baby. See you then. Y'all be cool.